1: Hey everybody, welcome to the inaugural episode of Fight Game Podcast Extra. This is in place of Brace for Impact. Uh, Mike and JD are taking a break this week. They're getting rested and they're coming back next week. And they have some new ideas for what they want their show to be. Uh, And so you'll hear them in this spot next week. Uh, So with this show, I was only going to do... A uh, Saturday show, which is where you'll generally hear the show Saturday morning. But when uh, Mike and JD decided that they were going to go on a one week hiatus, I decided, hey, I can do two shows in the debut week. So hopefully you'll enjoy them. Tomorrow's show, uh, people who know or people who have been listening to the Fight Game podcast with me and John LaRocca for a while. They may remember the name of Draven. Uh, Draven's going to come on. We're going to talk WrestleMania because he was there live. We'll talk about the big picture wrestling scene. He is uh, very, you know, he he considers himself a historian of sorts. So uh, we'll we'll try and see if there are any parallels to current AEW, current WWE, the whole big picture of those things. And uh, so that'll be Saturday's show. So what is on this show? Well... Andrew Zarian, yes, my co-host of War Live, pal. I wanted him to be the very first guest of this new show. It was just—it was pretty much an extension of the War Live, pal, show. So if you like that show, you will uh, enjoy this fifty-ish uh, minute conversation that I have with him. We talk about the news on Dynamite, with uh, the Wembley show. Uh, We talk about CM Punk. We talk about the Vince McMahon sale. And we kind of go into pro wrestling media near the end of the show. And to lead things off is Paul Fontaine. You know, this is the Fight Game Media Network feed. And Fight Game Media is about three things. Pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and boxing. Now, the pro wrestling Conversation dominates this network and and our Patreon is Patreon as well, and the reason is is mostly because you know wrestling podcasts are kind of the thing that that just you know people can't seemingly get enough and you know we have different topics that people can talk about you know, like you know I'm taking the place of of Mike and JD they they do a show on Impact Impact Wrestling and then Keela and Scott do a show on WWE and then. Uh, Kevin and and James, they do AEW. So there's so many facets to wrestling. Fumi and, and Justin with the uh, Japanese history. So that is always going to dominate just because it's kind of what's you know what's popular when it comes to podcasts. But I do want to add more MMA, more boxing onto onto this show. It, there will always probably be um, you know pro wrestling on this show, but. Uh, I do want to get back to kind of what the roots of what Fight Game was when I, when I first put this thing together in the late 2000s. So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy the inaugural episode. Andrew Zarian will be coming up first. And really appreciate everybody's support, Fight Game Media Network. We just did our best month in March as far as downloads. So anybody who has listened, if you can tell a friend about the network get them to subscribe ask them to tell a friend if they really enjoy it that that really helps us with this network writing reviews on apple Podcasts as well so anyways i don't want to belabor the issue here let's get to andrew zarian and myself and yeah i guess it's we're live pal part two in what i hope to be a regular uh segment of this new show that we're doing here uh paul Paul Fontaine is joining me, very familiar voice to this network. Uh, And Paul, uh, for my first, uh, you know, some of what I want to do with this show, uh, the the extra show, is we have one show covering UFC, we have one show covering boxing, and the rest is pro wrestling. Now, pro wrestling really is what is driving our network, so I don't want to uh, say anything negative about that. But I do like the idea of having more... MMA, more boxing talk, because that's also more of my personality, what I like, even though I am uh, so deep into this pro wrestling stuff at this point. Um, And one of the segments I thought about was you and I doing a quick segment and hopefully, you know, maybe for every big UFC, every UFC pay-per-view where we quickly talk about some of the storylines of the fight, but then I also, and this is most importantly to me, You know, we are not a betting show. We are not a betting network. We are, we don't have a betting website, but I like the idea of you using statistics to help, you know, when you do your picks. So I also want to get, you know, your two or three best picks for this show. And, and, you know, we can kind of talk about them, uh, as we go, if we continue to do this. So sure. First off, thanks for joining. And secondly, quickly talk about this show upcoming it kind of snuck up on me like a lot of the ufcs have been doing it late <laughs> but we have uh israel adesanya and alex pajera in a rematch and it's amazing to me how similar this storyline is to the uh usman and uh, leon edwards storyline in that does pajera have is uh, adesanya's number and Based off of three fights, the answer is yes. But I remember vividly watching this fight the last time and thinking that if Adesanya uh, fought a little bit more smartly late, he probably would have cruised to, to a decision. But that was not the case. And it, it sort of reminded me, ro- Robert, uh, Robert Silva would love this comparison. Uh, Sugar A. Leonard and Thomas Hearns, the first time, not, not Thomas Hearns, uh, Roberto Duran, the first time they fought, Roberto Duran was in Sugar Ray Leonard's head so much so that Leonard decided to fight his fight and stood in there and, and slugged away. And then when he figured out, okay, that was really stupid, second fight, he fought his fight and Duran quit. And I kind of wonder, because I saw your pick, you're picking Pajeda or Pajea, and I think I'm going Adesanya for the one factor of he has learned – more about that fight. He's probably watched it more than anybody, and he knows that there are moments that, as an MMA fighter, it's an entertaining sport. You need to mix it up. He can score. Po- he can score points, but he also needs to not get stalked and and cut off so so easily, which is what happened later in that fight. And so I think I'm picking Adesanya, but man, that three and O versus you know three and O between between the two of them that really stands out and. What was your decision behind
2: picking Pahea? Okay, so and for those that don't know, um, the, the first two fights happened under kickboxing rules yes, in, yes. in glory. And uh, so in 2016, Adesanya lost the decision. And in 2017, March 2017, uh, Alex Paheya knocked Israel Asanya out in the third round, the only time up until their first MMA fight that Adesanya has ever been knocked out in, um, in combat competition so i had a different feeling watching that first fight yes adesanya was cruising to a decision win um he you know the 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 the, uh stoppage came late uh, early in the fifth round but i mean it kind of came almost out of nowhere and and you're right it was very similar to um the first usman edwards fight except the fight was a lot closer than the usman edwards fight like edwards was dominating like there's no question Pereira actually outstruck Adesanya, but Adesanya was winning the rounds because his strikes were more impactful and he was controlling and, you know, he just like he was winning the rounds, but they were close. But my thought watching was, you got to remember that Pereira is literally about two years into his MMA career at this point. He's only fought in the UFC. This will be his fifth fight. Uh no yeah fifth fight in the UFC so that was his fourth fight I'm watching this fight and I'm like man if they fight again in a year Pehere Pehere Pere- uh, p- p- trouble with that name I know Pehe- it, Pehe- for us it, it looks yeah. like
1: we just want to call him Pereira because yeah. that's just how we but I, yeah, I keep hearing Pehe- him Pehe- say Pehaya yeah so I'm gonna so say I'm trying that it's it's not working with my mouth yeah right
2: Pehaya um I'm thinking Pehaya is gonna dominate if they fight again in a year so the fact that they're rematching this soon is good for Adesanya. And, and I talked with Ryan Frederick on our regular podcast on the, uh, Game media free feed. And he, he said the same thing. And I think he's leaning of Adesanya he like picked, you, he, he, in our picks, the, the fight yeah. Game media
1: picks, he did take Adesanya.
2: But uh, yeah. And, and I do think like, again, it's, it's, if they would have fought six months from now, I think, you know, Pahey is getting better and better. And the training and everything like he's learning to become a mixed martial artist. And if they had fought another, like if let's say he had defended the title once and then fought Adesanya, I I would be strongly leaning towards Bahia. So the reason I'm picking Bahia is mainly for the odds. And, and we'll get into that, you know, in, when we talk about best bets, but I mean, you know, your picks that we do for the, the, the panel, they're just straight straight up. But, but I'm kind of like, I'm also using strategy. Um, you know, I'm thinking that you know most people are going to pick Adesanya, so I want to go against the grain. So if if Paheya wins, I'll be the only one. Um, but but I do think like I think even if it was even money, I'd be going with Paheya. Interesting. Um, yeah, I just don't like you know that that you know Pahaya, uh, Adesanya, or Adesanya. You're you know you're you're giving a little bit of money, yeah? but the odds have closed up. It's, uh, I think it's minus 120 right now for, or sorry, plus 120 for Paheya and minus 140 for Adesanya. And earlier in the week, I think he was minus 185. Oh, wow. So the odds, yeah, the odds are switching. The the late money moves the lines a lot more in MMA than it does in other sports. So people usually place bets after the weigh-ins.
1: Yes, that's that's what I was wondering as well. Yeah. We, we also have to see how these guys look um, yep, tomorrow. Uh, okay, so there's another fight and... I don't even know what to think of Jorge Masvidal at this point. This looks like uh you know he he still has a name so let's utilize that name. Uh Gilbert Burns he he has just been more active. He's just been better of late. You know, Masvidal had only fought, you know, really big time opponents so it's not like he was, you know, losing to uh, to nobody's here but is the ex- expectation for you as well that that burns kind of runs through Mosvidal and and is probably one of his last rides
2: i think so I, I mean the the reason this fight was made was to sell tickets in miami um yes. you know this is the first time ufc's been in miami since 2003 great draw um, for for that yeah year. yeah the king of miami right um and, and there's also the possibility you know if he you know if he happens to get a you know like a flash knockout like he did over um uh uh, ben Askren, you know, on and UFC that was all over ESPN for, you know, a couple years really. Yeah. And skyrocketed him into stardom. Like they can put him right in a title fight and he's got a ready-made feud with Leon Edwards that yes. uh, started years back on a pay-per-view. So slap slapgate. Yeah. Yeah. And then he jumped right over Colby Covington, um, you know, which again, those two have a big feud too. So (laughs) if he happens to pull off this upset, I mean, UFC is going to cash in, or I guess ESPN will cash in because UFC gets their money either way.
1: This, Um, this fight, um, not necessarily this fight, but I I really want to watch the main event. mm -hmm. Usually when it comes to UFC, I just go over to Dave's, but, I don't think, uh, you know, we have a pretty busy Saturday and I may not even be able to watch this live. I For the first time, I may have to fork out the 80 bucks here. This will be wow. my first $80 UFC pay-per-view, but I'm thinking about it because I think that the main event is is too many great stories around it. And I just want, I mean, I want to see, you know, is Adesanya, can Adesanya overcome the one guy, you know? it's That's always, always a great storyline. So, all right. Uh, I, and also, I just wanted to point out,
2: young rojas is fighting yep. on this show so yeah he'll kick cool. off the main card 18 years old uh youngest fighter in ufc history got a contract when he was 17 um and he and he's incredible he looks like he's 25 and uh and and he speaks like he's 25 like he's he's just amazing this card is stacked like even yeah, even the undercard, there's there's nice name fighters on the undercard. Yeah, kept former like Kelvin Gastelum, you know, former tough winner and is on the prelims, Michelle Waterson. Michelle Waterson, she's yeah. ripped.
1: I, I've been watching yeah. her videos of her getting in shape. She's she's in great shape. Even uh, uh Cynthia Calvillo uh is on the early prelims. Like it's a deep card. Yeah, she's on the ESPN plus fight and, yeah. and fight pass stuff. Okay, so we uh I I want you to Give me, uh, I don't know, your two or three favorite picks based off of this math that you've created, yep. your yeah. ROI, your return on investment picks here. Uh, yep. So give me
2: three and yep. uh, and we'll end it with that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, it's basically the when I when I use ROI, it's every, you know, we'll say hundred dollars that you bet you'll get back, you know, your hundred plus the percentage of whatever you bet. So when you say a guy's got a 50% ROI, you're getting 50% profit on your money. So whatever you bet, historically, based on previous fights, you're getting this back. So the three that I have are actually the main event. Uh, Alex Paheya, 72.8% ROI. He's a plus 120 underdog, and he's only 1-0 as an underdog, and that was obviously the previous fight. Yes. but But he's also had good value as a favorite. Um, the second pick is on the prelims, uh, Gerald Mearshart, who uh, you know, he's been around for a long time, fought some big fights, and he's a guy that people tend to overlook. Uh, in fact, I only go back 10 fights for ROI, and he's been an, an underdog in nine of his ten fights, <laughs> but he's five and four as an underdog. Yeah. So, and he's plus one fifty-five here. So I think he's getting great value. Um, the only thing that I don't like is he's fighting Joseph Pfeiffer, who is is actually a guy that's been getting a lot of buzz. He won a, a fight on Dana White's contender series to win a contract. And there was a phrase, be like Joe Pfeiffer, that Dana White said, because everyone <laughs> else on that show uh, won by decision. So, <laughs> yeah, he's I think UFC wants Joseph Pfeiffer to win, but Mirshard has upset people before. And then my third pick is uh, Trey Ogden. He's on the early prelims, and he's going up against Ignacio Bahamondes. And uh, Trey's a plus 245 underdog. But he's won both of his fights previously when he was an underdog. So he's got a 55.9% ROI. So, yeah, uh, Alex Paheya, Gerald Mearshart, and Trey Ogden are your three best bets. All right. When is UFC 288 here? Uh, I believe it is in May. Um, and Sterling and Cejudo is, yeah, May yeah. 6th. Yeah, And then there's a uh, I think they got an undercard uh fight as well. Uh, Charles
1: Oliveira and uh, Darius, Bryce yeah. Mitchell's on that show, uh, yeah. As not a
2: that one's not a super uh big card. I think we may still get a fight added. That's the uh one from New Jersey that actually Ryan Frederick was the first one to break, yes. They were going he did. to New Jersey, yeah. Um, I think we may get Frankie Edgar announced for the Hall of Fame on that show. Oh, that'll um, be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's just a, a theory Ryan and I have, but it makes a lot of sense. Okay. So
1: why don't we do this? Uh, uh You probably have a notepad there. Just, just keep those picks on the notepad. And then when we come back before 288 on this show, we'll go over your picks and see how you did. And we can uh talk about 288 as
2: well. Yeah. And if you're in the discord, I usually post my ROI picks for the whole card. So this is for Larry this fight, is for Larry Larry caution. basically me. just Larry but um <laughs> no there's a few other people that have told me James Perry uh you know he's a there guy, you go. loyal listener yeah um but yeah I'll put those in the Fightime media discord for free I usually put them up on the morning of the show and uh, you can bet along with me if you like there was one card not that long ago where I was like 12 12 out of 13 jeez yeah made a lot nice. of money that week
1: nice job <laughs> yeah all right so listen uh if you want to hear the full preview of UFC 287 Paul Fontaine, Ryan Frederick, In the Clinch. Maybe the most underrated podcast in our network just because it's an MMA show surrounded by pro wrestling shows. But uh, definitely check that out. That that usually goes up uh, Tuesday afternoon uh, every, every week. So check that podcast out. And then if you want to follow along, Paul and Ryan often get... Uh, their tweets often show up on, on the television, so why don't you give your your Twitter and Ryan's Twitter if people want to follow you guys on
2: fight night? Yeah, that's at Ace Fontaine and Ryan is at Ryan J Frederick. Ryan's always there right from the start of the show, so he'll be on the early prelims. I usually check in when when the main card's starting, and <laughs> uh, but we'll get our tweets, our round scores, and you know I usually have. I'll throw in comments. Sometimes I word them specifically to get on TV, <laughs> but occasionally I screw up the hashtag. <laughs> in fact, that happens like every second show. <laughs> so, all
1: right, thanks, Paul, for kicking us off here on the debut episode of the Fight Game Podcast Extra, and uh, we'll check you out, and we'll we, you'll you'll be heard of again on this show. Uh, but but right now, let's uh...
3: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV
1: Bring on Andrew Zarian. No, this is not We're Live, pal, but it kind of is like a sequel. Like, We're Live, pal, the next morning. Andrew Zarian is here to debut my new show on our Fight Game Media Network using the same Fight Game podcast branding there. we got to get some use out of this thing. And, Andrew, what's up, man? Thanks for jumping on. Nice and early for you today. Nice and early for me. I have my green tea because I'm trying to... Uh, I'm, I'm doing some stuff with my diet where I'm trying to keep my fast going as, as long as humanly possible. So oh, even, nice. even putting a little bit of tiny cream in my coffee could be throwing my fast off. So I'm starting the morning with green tea, which is a crazy thing to me right now. So I last night I threw
3: mine... Whatever diet I'm on, totally out the window when I ordered Korean fried chicken at like 9.30 at night. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great
1: order. (laughs) Obviously, it was like through DoorDash or whatever Uh, you use. Yeah, Uber Eats always. yeah. yeah. So uh, last night on AW Dynamite, we had talked about this on We're Live, Pal, what this uh, important announcement was for Tony Khan. And it turns out they are running a giant stadium Wembley Stadium for their big show in late August and they are calling it AEW All In and now as we know because we've been we've been to these shows before All Out is in September and we're unsure right now whether All Out is going to be at the same on the same date though I know Will Washington last night said it's going to be in Chicago. It's still going to happen. We don't we don't have a date necessarily, so I don't know if it's going to be the next week, as it is historically that Labor Day weekend, or not. But what did you think uh, of Tony's announcement? Even though you know you you had kind of called it on We're Live Pal yesterday. Yeah, um, I-, I knew it was England.
3: Obviously, I think I think a lot of people knew it was London based on his his interviews over the weekend, but. I, I we had spoken about this how uh, what is it OVO arena in Wembley right. Wembley arena whatever the, whatever it's called um I was initially told Wembley and I was like Wembley stadium like when and then I like tried to piece it together and I assumed my assumption was well it's going to be probably Wembley arena cuz they're not going to try to run the stadium that's a gigantic stadium yes yes so uh, I I didn't I, I I was I it was a little too risky of a of a guest to assume the stadium but you know what he's running the stadium the week before the scheduled all out pay-per-view I as far as I'm I know the show is still happening uh we had heard that he was trying to get the United Center mm-hmm. right that was that was like the first piece to this um maybe they could run it later but the other part that you got to remember they have a big stadium show also in September and that's Grand Slam yes and as far as I know, that's happening this year at the end of September, you know, whatever that week is. So look at it this way, right? They got a pay-per-view coming up in May, right? They got the May pay-per-view. They got the June pay-per-view. Too big. I mean, back to back, right? This Double or Nothing is going to be a big show. Obviously, it's in Vegas Memorial Day weekend. Um, then you have Forbidden Door, which is a mega show in Toronto. Then you're coming back two months later. You're going to England for a... Possibly a forty to sixty thousand. I mean, they're hoping, right? Uh in attendance stadium show. You come back to the states the week after, you run all out in Chicago, and then two weeks later you're running a stadium again. I mean, that's a lot of big shows.
1: Yes, absolutely. And and it can be a great thing because if you remember when AEW was running hot, we always bring up this uh all this all out pay-per-view from oh one. And it felt like it was like big show, big dynamite, big dynamite, big dynamite, and he was kind of on a roll there. And I wonder if he's creating that again, which would be fantastic. By the way, uh, great, great human, Joe Joel Pearl says uh, this the should best. be called this. Sh- this should be called "We're Live Again," pal. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna have to bring Joel back on. We're live, pal. So okay, so the. Piece of this that I think is very interesting is they can sell, I think, fifteen to 20,000 tickets, like, boom, immediately, right? Just yeah. next day, people are going to be hot for this. We've waited a long time for you. You know what? I'm going to say more. I'm going to say
3: more just because first-time market, right? We obviously know the 20,000 first-time market easy, but I'll say more because the expectation is... Tony's running a gigantic stadium. At the end of the summer, what does he have? There has to be something gigantic,
1: right? Well, I mean, I think we kind of hinted about it yesterday, right? <laughs> Which is, if uh, does he do these shows in the way that he's doing them without thinking that he can bring CM Punk back to TV? I, I mean, you you. Listen, we, we spoke
3: about this, right? Tony's a really smart guy. I don't think he would be booking a, you know, a mega stadium show without thinking he has CM Punk back.
1: Now, I or also... plan. Well, I don't know the timeline of this. And I'm not even throwing this out because I don't know any information about it. But over WrestleMania weekend, there was this discussion about whether or not drew McIntyre is going to re-sign with WWE I would think you got to re-up that dude that dude is yeah great he's perfect for WWE you know you've mentioned the lost big run from the pandemic they you know they could always do that over again for him because he's such a, a great performer but you know that if that guy was out on the free agent market, then you'd, you'd bring him in for a big show like that. But I don't know what his contract details are like.
3: Yeah. I I don't know either. Um, you know, would WWE want drew to go? No, but maybe drew, you know, he's seen, he's seen, Yeah, you know, my run's been kind of weak the last, I don't know, couple months. I'm kind of out of that main event picture. I could go away for two years and then come back. But you know, Drew's making a ton of money there and he's very well liked. So I don't, I don't, Know why he would want to go, but you never know what people. I, I listen, man. If I'm gonna guess now, I'm gonna say Punk is 100% happening soon, right? Like, that's my guess. Yep. Uh, unless Tony has something really big planned, but other than you know, let's say the number is 45,000, right? Let's say, okay, fine, that's great, they could do that easy. Everybody has criticized AEW for running small first time markets. You know, New York's really the big one that he did with with taking a risk of a 20,000 person stadium and he did. He did 20,177 in that building. The following year he did 135. So, he's taken that risk, but you know, first time first time for a stadium, too. That was the big allure too in the New York market. But you're going to you're going to England. They're going to be hot for this. London's going to be super hot, but you still need something really big. Is a You know, like, let's say, would an Osprey main event, Osprey Omega main event be something that could draw 45,000 to 60,000 people? Or is it Punk Omega? Punk Omega, in my opinion.
1: They could put together a card that makes a whole lot of sense and could. But here's the thing, right? Now, we don't want them to use WWE's blueprint for everything. But what WWE does really well is make a big show feel like a big show. And I think the AEW marketing machine is going to have to really go into overdrive for Mm -hmm. this show. Because they'll sell those 20, and maybe you're right, maybe it's even more than 20. Maybe it's 30 that they can just, boom, sell first day. But then there's a you know, there's an extension of that number to fill that building up to where I think people would be like, okay, this is a success versus like, and they only really put 25 in that giant building. I would like to see them, you know, 45 sounds like a pretty good number. 50 sounds like a tremendous number. The marketing machine to make this thing feel like it's bigger than anything they've ever done, which is what WWE just did with WrestleMania. Yeah. That is what I want to
3: see. That was the biggest WrestleMania of all time. They've never done a WrestleMania this big in so many ways.
1: They don't have the the numbers and the headcount that WWE has, obviously. Like this is not me expecting, you know, a fourth of the amount of people to do the same amount of work. But there needs to be an effort in that way because. That That's exactly what this show is. It is a giant show for them, and you want it to be perceived in that manner for the 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 wider pro wrestling landscape. And that's what WWE did so well with this WrestleMania. Like, I saw so many outlets talking about this show, and so what happens is, is all my friends who don't watch wrestling anymore, they realize that they have this thing called Peacock, yeah. and the show is on, and they they're hearing about it from social media they're hearing about it from their friends and they're like oh i'm going to tune in M- one of my really good friends i don't I, I mean i i imagine he watched wrestling during the hogan era at some point but he hit me up on sunday night and he's like hey does my 199 Subscription for Peacock work with WrestleMania? I was like, Yeah, and you know, it's just it's on. You may have to watch some commercials here and there. But he's like, Okay, cool. And so he's watching the show. And I'm like, dude, you're like a we we do a baseball podcast together. We don't do wrestling stuff. Like, why are you watching? And it was just because that's what everyone else was doing that night was just tuning in to see what was going on with WrestleMania. So can AEW create that kind of interest and that kind of visibility? For a giant show like this, now it's in the UK, so maybe they, they don't spend as much money in the US because you got to market in the UK. But I just love this idea of Tony Khan has this big show and he's got this great opportunity to drive so much interest back into this product, which is what we saw in September of, of 21 when, when we thought, you know, the greatest pay-per-view we've ever been to. Yeah. No, definitely. uh, We we talk
3: about that all the time. You know, I'm looking at the promotional poster right now, and it is impressive. You know, they got Kenny. Kenny's the main in this poster. You know, there's other options. A lot of people are saying, well, it's going to be Punk Omega. It doesn't have to be. It could be Punk and and FTR versus whoever, you know, and you could lead to Kenny. Kenny could be Chicago. You could do that. And imagine that a United Center doing that. There was also the Bill Goldberg conversation. I've been hearing a little bit more of that conversation of late. (laughs) uh, Which is interesting. You know, AEW doesn't have the spectacle match. It doesn't. I mean, they have Sting, right? They have Sting. They have Jarrett. But really, you don't have that like the Brock Lesnar that comes in. You're like, oh, wow. Okay, we got a Brock Lesnar or a Logan Paul or whatever. You know, those spectacles like you want to see this. You know, Goldberg's Goldberg, but he's still Goldberg. You know, can he will he add people if you do something intriguing with Bill Goldberg in that building? Yeah, I think he would. I think people would be interested to see what what could happen. You know, Sting's possibly retiring soon. A a, a nice send-off for Sting
1: in a singles match. I, I there's a lot of options here. You have some hooks as well. So, double or nothing is in Vegas. Double or no, nothing. No, there's one. There's one hook. There's only oh, one hook. There there's only one hook. Yeah, you, you're right. You're right. <laughs> But they they have double or nothing, which is is going to be a, a a big show for them. But that's going to lead into Forbidden Door, and Forbidden Door is a little bit more for the hardcores. Uh, but it's still going to be a high quality wrestling show. And then you'll have uh you know a, a little while with these two big shows back to back. If it is going to be all in and all out, and you could use all in. First time in the market. Let's create some matchups that people have never seen before. But also, we could actually create a matchup that leads into All Out. And if, like, I'm just using your example. If you wanted to build towards CM Punk versus Kenny Omega, you could, like you said, do this six-man tag with the Elite and and Kenny versus Punk and FTR on this All In show and build the angle shoot the you know, great match. And then the angle that creates the main event to your all out show. So that is something that could happen. I just don't know about, you know, back to back pay-per-views or pay-per-views in, in like less than a month kind of time frame because that's just not what they do. That's not their yeah. business model right now. So I'm interested to see what the, how they're going to sell the show to, to their fan base to watch that I'm keeping my eye on that for sure all
3: right I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a couple names and options here right let's play fantasy booker for a second okay okay CM Punk comes back you do a tag match somehow right you keep them no singles match it's him and FTR versus somebody there you go there's one attraction Mercedes Monet yep versus Page. Mercedes has her match at, 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 uh, at, uh, at Forbidden Door. You could introduce her like that, and then something happens, and you build this big title match with Paige. That's another attraction. You'll have a big Sting match. You could do something there with that. You bring in Bill Goldberg. You have something there with that. There's a lot of options here. You know, is it 45,000 is a very realistic number for them. Yeah. I think that's a very realistic number, but if you're doing this for the first time, you don't want it to be a realistic number. You kind of want to say, oh, wow. Yeah. And that's
1: 60. Yeah. So what do you have to do to get you to 60? I don't know. You know what they got, they gotta pull from WWE's card, right? WWE likes to bring Tyson Fury uh onto these shows. He's a giant name in boxing. AEW should go on on that line, you know. Anthony Joshua, who yeah. just who, he just won his comeback fight. He's been a bit of a disappointment in boxing, but he's still such a giant name and he draws such a tremendous number of people i would i would have him be something he doesn't have to have a fight but he can be a heavy for the baby faces yeah. um joel has an idea he says give me goldberg and wardlow versus powerhouse hobbs and qt oh big UK. meat match let's big do it. Meat match yeah because you you would have qt kind of holding holding uh it together a little bit if it does yeah. get, out of, get out of line uh yeah so uh you know, this is the stuff that we love talking about. You're a marketing guy. So your head just starts going crazy with oh, ideas yeah. when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> but yeah, you know, this, this could be that shot in the arm for AEW that they need to kind of get, get a little bit of their, uh, their share back. I, I, I would say, cause WWE has been so hot of late, but let's pivot a little bit to WWE and the coverage of Vince McMahon and the sale. And you and I had a joke yesterday on We're Live Pal about how, you know, the mustache, the mustache. And I was like, yeah, like a lot of people are upset that that mustache is creating the disguise per se for what the real issues are with Vince coming back. And I saw Lance, uh, you know, Lance Storm on F4W had, had, was just like, I can't believe it. Like, you know, this guy, there's a reason why he left. And, you know, he's got all these things and it's really bad, you know, for him to, to have all of these things on on his resume. And yet we're just bringing him right back to run this business. And Ari Emanuel is like, of course I was never going to let Vince McMahon leave. Like we need Vince. So what do you think about the coverage of Vince so far? I think the hardcore, hardcore pro wrestling fans are prop. We, we all knew this is what was going to happen. We've seen the playbook of this happening before, but what do you think about the mainstream media? Because the mainstream media, at least as far as I can tell, are just kind of eye rolling and going like, well, this is a this is what pro wrestling is to us. Like, it's not mm-hmm. serious. Yeah. And that's literally what it is. Um Listen,
3: this is a man that wore a neck brace during his <laughs> trial. Right. Whether or not he did get surgery or not is not the case. I think he, still he had wore- surgery. is just did. the idea of. He did. Did he schedule it? For this <laughs> of course he did. Of course he scheduled it. Allegedly. I mean, of course he did. Uh, you know, it, it's it's such a daunting look where you're kind of uh, it's it, it's becoming the attraction here, and I, and it it had worked. You know, I don't think the, that's a very old school, you know, PR uh, tactic. Do something ridiculous and take away from the real story. And that I, I mean, he looks ridiculous. I don't think. I don't. It, it's such an absurd look. You got to react the way you do. But, you know, I, I think the coverage has been very interesting and, and like CNBC has been all over this
1: uh, more than I thought they would. But the the guy who, who actually was the one who had the story first, Alex Sherman from CNBC. He beat, as far as I could tell, he beat Bloomberg's Lucas Shaw by about four minutes. But, yeah, like I thought that was really amazing. Like I follow Alex Sherman on on Twitter. I know who Alex Sherman is, but he wasn't one of these like giant mainstream reporters that, you know, it's not variety, it's not, you know, whatever. And I was so happy to see him be the person to break the story. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I what do you So, you know, now that we're getting more
3: information about the sale, right? Uh we saw we we spoke about it on Tuesday uh, on we're live pal about liberty media being a, a very big front runner in this right he they were really um at first when when the initial story broke it was going to be a private equity group because you, the concept of pulling you know merging right you can't you're not buying a publicly trade you're merging with them to merge with comcast or with somebody else and then for vince to continue to stay in power it didn't seem like that's a reality. The only reality there was the private equity group that would most likely leave things the way they are. You know, right. whether it's the Saudis or the Qataris or, uh, you know, any other private equity group, they're gonna leave Vince alone, and that's essentially what's happening here. Where, you know, Vince has more power than he did because now he he's not only he's not only in charge of WWE, he's on he's executive, uh, he's the executor of the board, right,
1: for this so what, new yeah, company, whatever this new company. That they, they have not named yet, but yeah, uh, the ticker symbol TKO. TKO. So I, I you know, I, I think Ari's smart where he
3: knows that life after Vince is sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So if Vince is there for two to five years more, I mean, by the time he's seventy-seven now, he's going to be in his early to mid-eighties by the time you know he he exits. He would most likely be out by then, but Ari's going to pick up everything from Vince over the next
1: couple of years? Well, we've, we've talked about this idea and the, the television show, which I'm still only in the first, uh, in, in the first season of succession succession is ending, but the idea, and this has always been the conversation around WWE is Vince going to create his succession plan. And then it was sort of created for him when he had to step down but now, i that's the thing that I would wonder again. Like, it's funny because uh, Bob Iger had come back to Disney and, and immediately everyone's like, oh, we're going to go through this again. He's got to create the succession plan and the successor. And he's not going to like who it is. And, you know, this whole idea that he's just too intertwined with this business to really, really step away. But Vince is much older and i think like he does have to whatever it is if it's uh you know nick Khan is right underneath him in this new this new company so but nick Khan is not going to understand the wrestling piece of things obviously triple h is right there as well but i think vince some of what vince is going to have to do is really teach a lot of people the the business and you know i was joking and saying like oh this is perfect for ari he gets vince for two years and then he learns everything he can to then create that succession plan for whoever comes in. And then he's like, okay, we've had enough of you. You know, you, you give us well, Listen, a- maybe Steph is a succession plan. You know, I, does she get rehired? Is that, is that a, is that a prediction? She gets rehired. I, and she gets, she's an employee of the new company. That I would, a company. I would not be surprised that within the next, you know,
3: 12 to 14, 18 months, Stephanie McMahon comes in in some capacity in that new company because Really, I I mean, she was leaving to take a temporary leave and then she was forced to come back and then she's back on her temporary leave. Now, I I haven't heard that she's planning on coming back, but I never was told that she was never going to come back like she was done. So I, I would imagine, you know, you want you want the best people that could possibly run this company to know what they're doing. You know, there's not a lot of people that have been there over the last 30 to 40 years that that understand the business. Uh, other than, you know, Hunter's been there forever and he gets it. Uh, Stephanie, Shane's been out for too long and I don't think he's planning on coming back to that he can't, grind because he just doesn't have a doesn't
1: have a quadriceps muscle right
3: now. His quad is gone. But, you know, like Bruce Pritchard, he's one of the only other people. Really, if you think about it, Kevin Dunn, Bruce Pritchard, who else has been there for that long that knows Vince's inner workings? And how that company works. It's not necessarily just the Vince McMahon. What you could learn from Vince, it's you know fifty years or forty years of doing business a certain way in a very nice. closed environment. Like this new WWE, where PR is contacting us regularly, and we could communicate with them and ask questions, and they provide us with you know with uh, they confirm stuff. That's not how wrestling worked. That's a new concept, especially under Nick Khan. With the Nick Khan era, has been wide open. So. You know, there's not a lot of people that know that side of the business, and I think Steph would be the only real successor to Vince in any capacity. It's Stephen Hunter. Yeah, that I mean, that's an
1: interesting thought. For
3: or the other option that. is you bring in, you know, someone from like a Showtime boxing or or from Stephen Espinoza. Stephen Espinoza. <laughs> Stephen Espinoza. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> who 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 are you going to bring in to run this? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Do you bring in I, Tony Khan? I mean, I'm making a joke, <laughs> but I'm not really, you know? Do you bring in, like, who, who, who knows wrestling that could— r- Jeff Jarrett. I'm telling you, dude, it's going to be Jeff Jarrett. That's the, <laughs> the guy that's going to be
1: laughing at the end is going to be Jeff Jarrett. I, I interviewed Jeff with Dave, and my sense was, after that interview was done, Jeff doesn't like numbers. <laughs> did, my... did he tell you that he's great? <laughs> no, I know that he's great. He is great. He's fantastic. But yeah, I don't I don't think he's a numbers guy. So, uh let's let's uh talk about this Liberty Media thing for a second because Puck News, Dylan Byers, he talked to I think I think he talked to Mark Shapiro and they mentioned that, you know, it was nip and tuck the whole way with Liberty Media and Endeavor. I I I, I in in this weird sort of um cynical mindset that i have i wonder if it came down to who was willing to keep vince on and who wasn't and if you weren't willing to keep vince on did your bid have to be like so much better than the other bid because if endeavor was like yeah we will we have dana like you know we're not afraid of of bringing in people you know like that but would Liberty media have brought in Vince or would he have also been on this like retainer of like, okay, you're going to be here for six months and help us with this transition. And then you're gone. Like, I don't know any of that, but I was just wondering what you thought about, you know, this idea that Vince had to be here in order for this company to be sold. I I'm a hundred percent. Whoever bought it, Vince was going to be there.
3: Uh, I think Liberty Liberty knew that, uh, that he was going to be there. I, 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 again, I'm piecing stuff together, you know, But I'm under the impression that whoever was purchasing this, Vince, would be there. And I don't think that's why... You know, I was told there were more than one media conglomerate that was very interested. So, I mean, there's only a couple people that that would have the money. Comcast, Fox, I don't think Paramount, you know, but it was probably down to them. And the likely... Or like a Disney, right? The likelihood that Vince would stay in power if a Disney purchased them. That would be out the window. It really came down to the offer. You know, the, the private equity groups, that would have been a cash offer, but it would have been much less, $3 billion less than what wow. they're getting now. So, you know, the market cap market valuation is six point three six to $7 billion. Vince has a lot of room here now with this, and there's no cash being exchanged. It's mostly stocks, and I'm sure there's uh this. You know, a time frame on when they I mean, you understand how that some of that stuff goes, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's a time frame on when they can sell the stock, but you know Vince is gonna essentially put three billion dollars in his pocket from the sale. I don't think that was gonna be a possibility with a six billion dollars sale,
2: yeah no so, and that's, and to that's be that's honest, another, you
3: know, piece of it, yeah, for sure i I didn't know that Ari and Vince have been have been friends for twenty some odd years, so that's an interesting element here that they've you know that they've been friends for so long. And we know the relationship Dana has had with Vince over the years. Uh, You know, it kind of makes sense if you're thinking about, like, where is he, you know, where is he going to stay in power the most? It would most likely be, you know, UFC.
1: Can we reboot Entourage? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think we should. (laughs) (laughs) It's happening. Could we get all of those characters back together and then... They, you know, they create this super company and then we will need a Dana White character. We'll need a Vince character. and yeah, let's, let's bring Entourage back. I'm, I'm in for like two or three seasons of an Entourage reboot covering this Endeavor piece. I'm hey, in. those guys are from my neighborhood, right?
3: Are they? Yeah, they're from they're from this side of Queens. They're from Bayside Flushing. Yeah. Are you telling me that, you know, a turtle or two turtles definitely based on real people that I know hundred percent. I know many turtles.
1: (laughs) Um, So this stuff's fascinating. You and I will be talking about it seemingly forever on uh, we're live pal. Uh, I kind of wanted to steer the conversation for these last, uh, you know, last 10, 15 minutes here. Every time you talk about sort of what, you know, where, we're live pal wrestling's over live the show that I do with Dave, Wrestling Observer Radio, my own fight game podcast uh, on F4W. You've mentioned to me, you know, this is like, this is where it's at. F4W, Wrestling mm-hmm. Observer. It's the New York Times, I think is the, what you've used as as a- New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. The New York Yankees of, uh, of this space. And I'm a Mets fan.
3: <laughs> Just saying.
1: Where, where do you see yourself... Like you and you, I'm a little bit older than you, so I'm closer to retiring though. That's not going to happen anytime soon. You're still kind of thriving in your career. Like, can you still balance all the wrestling stuff that you do and keep thriving in your career? Or do you think that, you know, at some point, you know, maybe this stuff has to stop. Like, how do you view the time? Cause it's just a time suck for you to be doing this stuff. And you and I do it more for passion than anything else. Like if we wouldn't do it, if, if we didn't love it yeah. and like, like how do you balance that with your life? Uh, you know,
3: I, I talk about that with my wife regularly, like every, every couple of days we're talking about this, but my career gives me access to the things I have in pro wrestling. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't, I don't know if they know that or they they could piece it together. Like, uh, you know, my background is in marketing and consulting and the, the people that I've met over the last, uh, you know, 15 years of doing this, has given me access to these amazing things in pro wrestling where I could, you know, I, I I get told things and I could talk about it. And it's led me to, you know, host the Wrestling Observer uh, live show on Sundays and to be on here. You know, we do some breaking news stuff. We do some really cool stuff. I do it because I genuinely love doing it. I don't do the wrestling stuff to make money off of it. Yeah. Like if I never made a penny, like it's cool. Like sometimes we make money, you know, we sell some big ads, we make some money. But if I never made a dime from this, I'm still doing it at the same level I'm doing it today. Um, for me, it's a it's a passion project, and I and I don't I also have a an anxiety about being tied to money with this because then there's an expectation, right? Sure. Like there's an expectation that Andrew has to let's look, for example, let's say let's say I go to Fightful or I stay with Observer, and I I'm like, okay, listen, guys, I'm leaving my day job. But I want to do this exclusively. hmm. My, I mean, the hits are going to come from news stories that I break, right? Like, obviously, there are a lot of people that like listening to us and watch yeah. us, but at the end of the day, what's what's bringing a lot of viewers is the is the possibility that I could talk about something. Mm-hmm. I like the, ha- the I like the ability of doing that. I don't like the expectation of having to do it. Sure. So, because then you you go down a slippery slope. I don't work as hard as Dave. I don't work as hard <laughs> as uh, at all. I, I mean, and I, I and I say this all the time, the the like you know, and I know the inner workings of what Dave does. Oh yeah, daily. It's insane the amount of work that he has to do. Sean Ross Sap, right? Yep. I'm using hand quotes. Competitor, right? Whatever. I'm cool with everybody because I'm not tied to money. But Sean, I can never do what Sean does. Sean is on the phone digging, confirming. I, I mean, he works extreme, and there's a number of other people. I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not going to skip over anybody. I'm just giving two examples here. I would never want that expectation because, I'd, a, I, I don't have the, at this point in my life, I don't have the time to be able to chase down stuff. I think the fun part of what, what we do is that I get told things over dinner, and then I call you, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you won't believe what was that? And then, and then we talk about it. You know, I talk about it with you. I talk about it with Rich. I talk about it on Observer Live. I'll text Dave. I, I find this to be therapeutic for me, because it's an escape from my reality of real hustle and bustle. And Garrett, you know some of the inner workings of my day job. Yeah. You, yeah, like it. It's insane what what i deal with with you know 8 or 9 of my clients that i don't even name like i don't i don't feel comfortable naming all my clients i talk about the ones that are fun you know that there's something to talk about but like i'm i'm a tornado daily and sometimes i'm on a great run and i could have like 6 months of really awesome wrestling stuff and then i go away for 3 months
1: how okay the the way that you just said that makes a whole lot of sense to me in that Everything that you sort of do with this stuff, it's kind of a bonus for you because the expectation isn't there for you to create it daily. So when you have something, you're excited to share it, you get some run off of it for a few weeks, and then when you have something again, you share it again. And so you're, you're almost always keeping up in, in a way that, you know, you're having a good time with it, you get a little bit of traction, and it just seems like, oh yeah, Andrew Zarian has something to say here, we, we need to keep our ears open. But if you were doing this for a living, the expectation would be there. Astronomical. And if you didn't have a hit, you know, every week, then people go, oh, Andrew, he's not as good as we thought he was, blah, 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 blah.
3: Yeah. Or, you know, and I've seen this happen to some really good journalists in wrestling media, right? I've seen this happen where, man, they're on a roll for like an entire summer. They're on a roll for an entire season with some really great stuff. Their business is based on this. They're making money from this. Then you know what? Occasionally things happen. People get laid off. People change jobs. People don't feel comfortable telling you things anymore, and all of a sudden your livelihood is at risk, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and then what happens? You start maybe stretching the truth a little bit, and you start being a little bit vague. And I've seen this happen I, again. Mm-hmm. I'm not naming names, and and the people, even the people that have done that, I I I know personally, and I would say they're they're good people. It just becomes very difficult unless, if you are like that top one percent tier of of media coverage, you gotta be connected, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult if you're not really involved in sports I media. You know, Dave is a sports guy, right, and, and that helps him beyond wrestling. It helps him because he has a good understanding of sports journalism. And and how to talk to people and how to communicate with people. Same thing with Sean. Sean knows sports. I'm I'm not as comfortable with being a journalist because I'm not I'm not a journalist. I'm not a writer. I'm just the guy that does this. And, and you know what? It's worked out well for me. <laughs>
1: and, no, and, I, th- I, th- I think
3: it's been program. great. If, if this is your passion, and you have fun with it. I have you- no ego with this stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I, people could criticize me for my day stuff. Like I'm a I'm a nightmare. <laughs> with, with with work like I, i'm i'm really i'm, I'm super hyper aggressive with my day job because my money's on the line right right but with this like i i have no ego like i tell rich all the time if if something happened and i don't like wrestling tomorrow like i could go away
1: yeah no and it's i'm done great, it's a great spot to be in okay so t- you know you just said the ego piece there is something that comes along with the as you get a little bit more famous is the wrong word but as as you get a little bit more visibility the social media aspect of this can be frustrating right because you have so many people of bad faith who are tweeting at you who are trying to make something that you didn't say and try and you know play gotcha with with words and stuff like how do you emotionally and mentally deal with that kind of stuff does it ever affect you It only affects me if I if I genuinely
3: effed it up, right? Like I there's maybe been one or two times that I'm like, you know what, this guy is right. And I'll and I'll be first to be like, I was wrong. You know, like my my opinion on this was wrong. Uh I saw it going differently, what you know, like it's maybe once, but most of the time, like I you know, like you're yelling at me for what? You don't even know me. Like you don't (laughs) like sometimes the lies are so insane. Like the things that I've seen, like there was one guy that posted that I had no interest being at all that that All Out show that we were at, yeah, and that I wasn't even like I was wearing oh, like a suit to All Out.
1: I remember this. I
3: didn't even want to be there, and I was just talking the whole time, like, yeah, I'm 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 enjoying the show, and I'm explaining the show to my wife, yeah, and I was wearing a an effing minus five star T shirt, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, but you don't even know me, you know. Yeah. Like you don't, you have no idea who I am. You just made an assumption of me. So like that doesn't bother me. Th- that that but-
1: that wrestling fan who watches wrestling in that way makes me, uh, I, it makes me crazy. At one time, gosh, I was with uh, my buddy John LaRocca. I forget which show we were at. Maybe it was, it, it may have been the New Japan Cow Palace show. Now that I think about it, but we were talking and like talking in in a voice that i'm talking to you right now so yeah you got neighbors or whatever but you're just talking you're hanging out with your friend you're at a a fun wrestling show and you're shooting stuff with your friend and this dude turned to me and was like you you're distracting me i need to pay attention to what's going on in the ring can you keep it down you're in an arena and i was like like my instinct was what the F like I I was, I was ready to like just read this guy down, like, you know, Yeah. but, and then I pulled back and I was like, you know what? He is so interested in what's going on. He's so involved. He's so focused. I could say something, but then I become a little bit of a bully because I don't watch wrestling in that way. Or, you know, maybe he doesn't have friends who he's with, and he's bummed out. Or maybe there's something else that is bothering him that caused him to
2: speak up. You didn't in like that your light. face.
1: That's my <laughs> problem. Most of the time, people don't like my face. They make an
3: assumption of my because of my hair and my eyebrows. I'm telling you, it's the freaking <laughs> eyebrows. I, you know, I. Do you know how many times I get told by people to like, yeah, someone was asking. He's like, is Andrew like a dick? And, uh, and they're like, oh, no, he's actually like a really good guy. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not a dick at all, like a little bit, maybe, you know, but I'm nice to everybody, man. I want to talk to everybody. Like I'm very respectful of people. I I think people just have their bias and they have their assumption. It's like, dude, how often do I get from, from both sides that I am biased, that I'm pro WWE, that I'm trying to bury AEW. I don't watch AEW. And then I get the other side that I'm not fair to WWE and I'm only positive for AEW. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm, I have friends on both sides of the, co- like both companies. Uh, sometimes I enjoy one more than the other, but generally I enjoy AEW more. But that's because of the wrestling. But I'm mm-hmm. not trash. I never trash WWE. I don't talk negatively about the company. I'm just, I talk about what happened and then I talk about what I like. You, you're more than welcome to like whatever you like. Like, I don't watch NXT anymore. I can't. No. I have no time. And it's not, it's not, nothing is happening on that show to give me the reason to turn it on. But that doesn't mean that I think it's bad.
1: You could enjoy it. It's just not for me. Right, right. All right, I want to end this with a question. And and yes. I'm going to ask other people about this. I'll ask them a similar question. Let's say and and I am not breaking news in any way. Let's say in 6 months Dave Meltzer's like, "You know what?" I can't do this anymore in the way that I used to do it. Yeah. I can't write the observer the same way that I used to. And he kind of slows down or, you know, even walks away. This is completely hypothetical because none of this is happening. And none of this may ever happen. How does the wrestling media landscape change? Because not only is Dave the top journalist when it comes to the reporting aspect of it, but he's also the one who archives all the history. Yeah in the document that is the wrestling observer how does like how would the game change for everybody in in you know in in the landscape if he was to ever step down like what how do you envision that changing i i i think it would leave a tremendous hole
3: because dave has been uh wrestling media is was the foundation of wrestling coverage and media, the way it was covered was Dave, really. I mean, obviously there were a bunch, like Bill Apter, but Bill Apter did kayfabe interviews. Yeah. You know, Apter is one of the most legendary names in, in wrestling coverage, but he he played by the rules where, as Dave did it differently. Dave, you know, for, for lack of a better term, would get the dirt, you know? But he did provide an avenue for people to discover young talent. So when Dave would talk about, a Lance Storm or a Chris Jericho or Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, you you, you stopped and you're like, I got to find out who this guy is mm-hmm. and see his stuff, you know, and, you know, Dave, Dave has a style of wrestling that he very much enjoys. And, and, and to be honest, I grew up watching that and I grew up reading the Observer. So I tend to sway to that style. But. The historical aspect of it is the biggest, right? Anybody could break news. Event that that that's a that's a that's a wheel that's constantly turning because at the end of the day, guess what? WWE likes it when stories come out and AEW likes it when stories come out. Even if it's, you know, not something they wanted released yet, it's still creating the buzz around it. But the history aspect, that's something that that goes away if people aren't telling the story you know Jim Cornette's another unbelievable historian um John Arezzi another guy mm-hmm. right John Arezzi was one of the first wrestling radio shows I ever heard of yeah um it was something my 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 cousin in Long Island would listen to like Arezzi played a big part in this and and for me right like for me and to be honest it wasn't the breaking news stuff it was just like hearing about these older matches um uh, my first memory of Dave listening to the show was Tom Zink. <laughs> I would not have, I would have no concept of Tom Zink really, because it was he was in the early '90s when I wasn't watching WCW. So I, I think there would definitely be a hole in there. I there are people that will fill in the breaking news aspect, but really the name observer carries uh, tremendous weight in wrestling, and that's why I'm proud to be here uh, on this website. Uh, I and I know that you feel the same way. Dave and Brian have done an unbelievable job. They really paved the road for me to get involved in radio. Yeah. If it wasn't for Dave Meltzer, Howard Stern, and uh, Dave and Brian, I'll both give them credit, right? Dave and Brian, uh, live audio wrestling from like the early, from the late '90s on. Mm-hmm. Howard Stern and Lee Laporte. Those are the, those are the that is my influence in what I am doing today. In every, even in my day job even in my day job that is my influence that that some aspect of this imp- influenced me so there would be a hole absolutely um the historical aspect yeah we're in a we're in a, you know everything is readily available but you know going back and seeing what happened then where dave's covering you know you know how many times i've listened to the last day of wcw that e clip
1: <laughs>
3: uh it's archived somewhere <clears throat> Uh, the, That like the final days of WCW, I've gone long, like I've done house projects multiple times that I've started playing it like from from the greed pay-per-view, which was what, like March 18th on to, to the sale where and this, the emotion of people calling in and thinking oh, it's yeah. a work and it's not real. And Dave saying like this is the business is changing. The other one is the Benoit one that I I, I have very difficulty, but I remember listening to that. And you know, like goosebumps right now, because it brings you to a key moment in in the in the history of the industry, and things changed. You know, that was the fork in the road. Somebody selling Chris
1: Benoit. You know, those were all forks in the road. Somebody could take Dave's writing on the Chris Benoit situation and turn that into a crazy true crime podcast. Yeah, because the detail and i remember reading those issues and thinking like i need mean, to turn a light on in here this is getting creepy like all the detail that dave was able to get about that story so okay so my thoughts about what i just asked you i think dave's strength and he would probably tell you this is in his analysis as a as a business reporter so you have – we have someone like Brandon Thurston who uh, does a really good job as well. Brandon is very interested in that side of things. Sean, you mentioned Sean when it comes to yeah. breaking stories. Oh, Br-
3: Br- Brandon Thurston is one of the greatest, uh, I mean, analyst when it comes to the business side. You're, I, I, I give him so much credit because I talk to him, and he takes his stuff very seriously. Yes,
1: yes. Sean, for the reporting and the breaking news, like Sean is, is great. There are other folks. Mike Johnson, Mike Johnson is, yeah. is fantastic. Um, the content creation piece of that, that is more Brian Alvarez than it is Dave. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of people are getting pretty damn good at the content creation piece and doing stuff like what we're doing right now. You know, shout out to the Grapsody guys. that They have created a a live stream podcast that, you know, you hear people talk about it. Big numbers, yeah. There's there's a lot of these pieces that are kind of related. And, you know, you talked about Dave and Brian being a giant influence. They're tremendous influence. And it's not just by Dave being the wrestling guy that he is. I know... um, one Wrestling and then, you know, PWI. Those guys actually had a version of, of a podcast before I heard Brian do a version of a podcast. Now, Brian and Dave, like you said, were on IATA. So that kind of changed the game there. But those guys did stuff. But, you know, Brian turned the... Let me turn on my microphone and talk to this invisible audience into a business. And I will always uh, be so impressed with his ability to do that. He saw him and, and Tony leader sort of saw this before yep. most people, but you, there are other things coming out. Like you see, um, I see a lot of people really enjoying uh, Nick, Nick Hausman's new website. And, you know, Nick was all over the WWE press conference, right? Asking the, the questions about, you know, about, about the sale and stuff. And, you know, you give him credit because, and I had this discussion Uh, In in my discord, actually, of, you know, the expectation is that from some people from from some people who, who watch this stuff, the expectation is that everybody who's in a press conference needs to ask these like really hard questions and stuff. And I was like, no. If if you if you are on a beat and if you have a you're writing about something or if you're covering something in some way, yeah, you should ask hard questions in these kayfabe press conferences. But if you're just a content creator, yeah, and you're trying to get interviews and that's how you build your business, you don't have to ask a crazy hard question and risk getting kicked out of a, of a press conference or whatever. You know, so that whole thing is fascinating to me. Pro wrestling is so weird because it's not real and you get the fluff that. Uh, But that's part of what they want from you. That's part of why you're there. That's part of why you got the credential is because you're smart, but you're also smart enough to not ask Tony Khan seven times in a row, you know, when CM Punk is coming back. So it's a fascinating industry. Uh, I love doing this stuff with you. We're live pal is again, it's a passion project for us. The reason why I do it is because I just love doing a show with you, and I—it's ha- it, like an hour of like chatting with the with a great friend, and then just chopping it up and laughing. Yeah, about and wrestling.
3: listen, it, and a lot of that is that also for, you, for me. you like yeah. I have, like we do that show. It takes one hour out of my day, and it's a great hour. Like it's I go, it's I look at it as, and the same with Rich. I look at it as I'm at the bar, I'm talking to one of my buddies about pro wrestling, and it's like. It's a fun thing for me. And when it's not fun, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fun. Absolutely. And, and I, love, I, I think we'll both know. We'll both know. We'll
0: both know. <laughs> we'll both
3: know. We'll just be sitting there staring at each other. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I, you know, when this is fun, like right now, this is a very fun time for me. I, I'm in. You know, like we brought up the Benoit stuff. I didn't watch wrestling for a number of years Oof. because it wasn't fun anymore. Oh, my God. And I didn't want to start it. When I started doing podcasts in 2009, I didn't want to do a wrestling show. Dude, um, I was a tech guy because I was so turned off by pro wrestling when that stuff happened. So I did. I went into tech and I went into everything else that I did. And then wrestling came because Rich is like, hey, you want to do a wrestling show? Oh, so we have Rich to thank. Rich is to thank. Yeah, actually, Rich was going to write for my website and he was going to write about gaming. And then somehow that turned into doing a comic book podcast. Oh, wow. I started a comic book podcast and I was just producing it. And his co-host and him would end up like talking a little bit about wrestling. Because CM, the Summer of Punk had happened. Yeah, yeah. And it just, and then the conversation, like, we, we would do, like, 20 minutes on wrestling. And we're like, oh, let's start Mat There you go.
1: Origin <laughs> story right there. There you go. All right. Hey, you, you uh, thank you very much for being my first guest on Anytime. this brand new show. I, You know, I was like, ah, there's a couple people in my mind. Andrew probably has to be number one. So thank you very much. Um, And uh, thank you to everybody who is checking in live and who's listening on the podcast feed. Andrew Zarian, fantastic human. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.